0: Well, the Gonzaga Bulldogs are back on the international recruiting market, bringing superstar Frenchman Elaine Fiblaoul onto campus to hang out with Killian Tilly during Gonzaga's route of Eastern Oregon. Could he be the Zags' next great international superstar? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates about all things Zag Athletics. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Locked On Recruiting Analyst Jason Jordan. Jason's going to help walk us through a few recent targets for the Zags on the recruiting trail. First up, we have to talk about Elaine Fiblaoul, who is a French prospect. He came and attended Gonzaga's route over Eastern Oregon on the 28th. Uh, Gonzaga pulled out all the stops, not just taking him through the campus and having him come to a game, but they also brought Killian Tilly to come and sit next to him, of course, a fellow countryman from France who had a pretty darn career, good career here in Spokane. Uh, this uh, FIBA was pretty unknown until his performance at the U-17 FIBA World Cup this summer. Uh, he's now down to top three choices already, Gonzaga, UCLA, and the G League reportedly, according to Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review. Uh, I'm curious, Jason, what are your thoughts just on this kid's athleticism and kind of what his game looks like at this
1: point? Like you said, he blew up at the World Cup um, and he, he was dynamic there. I mean, six five. Versatile scorer, obviously a marksman from the perimeter. But uh, when you're a marksman from the perimeter, and what makes I'm not saying he's Steph Curry, but <laughs> what mm-hmm. makes Steph Curry so great is the way that he keeps the defense off balance because mm-hmm. you can't push up on him because he keeps the ball on the string and he can create his own shot. And he's a marksman on the dime. You know, uh, with this kid, you know, he's a marksman from three, but he can also create his own shot. He's, he's he really has like a pro game mm-hmm. um, because. You know, he's adept at creating his own shot, but then he's great with that fade away, um, step back. And, you know, he, he just has a mixed bag offensively. And, you know, when you're such a deep threat, um, but you can mix it up and finish, like you said, his athleticism mm-hmm. is through the roof as well. Um, it's just a tough guard. And, you know, he's a dynamic scorer that would be a huge gift for um, any one of those three programs. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I guess that's kind of what I wanted to lean into a little bit more. Obviously, yeah. he, he <clears throat> talked about how much he loved his visit to Spokane. He talked about, you know, getting to meet Killian Tilly and doing his research on, on you know, how Gonzaga in particular has turned out, you know, three Frenchmen have come to Gonzaga and all had NBA careers uh, in Killian Tilly, Eli of course, Roni Turioff, who played for about a decade yeah. uh, in the NBA. But right now, one one kind of big hinge, it feels like, is the ability for international student athletes to get NIL, NIL which, as I currently understand it, they... They cannot, right. uh, which has pushed a lot of these uh, students to go to the G League and play there instead where they can make money and they can do that. That's obviously one of his choices. He mentioned UCLA where he took a visit as well. Um, do you have any sense uh, of where he's leaning or if do you think that that NIL picture could could change the dynamic here for him?
1: Yeah, certainly. I've been told that that's certainly a big, mm-hmm. you know, big hang up. I think if, if he could and I, I don't think G League would even be in the picture. Um, mm-hmm. So. You know, you'd have to imagine that they're a, they're a strong, uh, mm-hmm. strong competitor to land him mm-hmm. in, in the end. But you know, I I do think I think he wants to play in college. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think it's really going to come down to um, I don't know if they can get you know creative, you mm-hmm. know, with uh, the potential because he is a big time. He's a big mm-hmm. time. And, you know, he projects as an NBA guy. Yeah. So. um you know, he's worthy of that. And so, I mean, obviously we got to do some changing on those rules, right? Yeah, <laughs> but we're right. not there yet. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. You know, uh, NCAA tends to be a little slow. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. They're going to have to make some provisions there. But I don't, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon mm-hmm. uh, when dealing with them. So, yeah, it, that's the hurdle you guys and UCLA are fighting mm-hmm. uh, right there. But, I, you know, I, I have been told that that, that mm-hmm. is a, a big factor.
0: Yeah. As, as it should be, it's understandable that it would be in this case.
1: Yeah. I kind of want to talk
0: about how Gonzaga brought and Tilly here. We kind of mentioned that already. And obviously teams have always used their former players kind of as yeah. recruiting tools. That's not new, but I wonder if you have a sense or kind of a, a guess as to how much more impactful that might be when you're talking about international students who obviously are, are always a little bit more isolated when they come to a new country. If you can go to a school that has already, you know, had players from said country, like Tilly, like Joe Eliai, like seems to me like that would make Make a bigger impact on a recruit from a different country. Is that kind of the sense that you've gotten as well?
1: It is. It's huge. And I'll tell you something about uh, us. As mm-hmm. you know, uh, Americans, right? We think that everybody's like us. We're, <laughs> you know, but we're so cool. And I'm the guy too. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. the same way. I, mm-hmm. I go to a, another country. And I'm like, oh, everybody isn't like us. That's interesting. Right? <laughs> um, and what I mean by that in this sense is this. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a big time player like him. Mm-hmm. Let's say he was—he's big time, but he's over there, because, right? You know, big time. But so the the culture isn't what it is over here. So big right. time players over here have egos. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, yeah, of course you rolled out the red carpet for me. <laughs> you better, <laughs> you know, that's how these kids are. And
0: mm-hmm. so,
1: but him—he is like a fish out of water. He's like, oh wow, those guys are waving at me. This is great. Mm-hmm. Wow, I've never seen mm-hmm. that. I'll tell you, all those kids that like, I can't believe who uh, was a big one. Um, mm-hmm. oh my God, I can see his face, but I can't call his name. But he was in the 22 class. Ah, man, I want to remember his name so bad. But he was, like, top 10. And -hmm. I remember talking to him, and he he was, like, I just – like, the top 10 player, like, going Mm -hmm. to the McDonald's game, all this stuff, right? But he was, Mm -hmm. like – I remember talking to him. He was, like, wow, like, they chanted my name. Like, (laughs) is that normal? And I was, like, oh, you're not from here. That's right. You know, so to have – uh you know the background of hey when you guys like you come over here we take care of them and we put them on the path to the dream that you want to ultimately accomplish that is huge mm-hmm. and then to have somebody there to be like hey man I know I know you know right this is normal that you know that let me you know hey I, a familiar face is there and um he can kind of co sign everything that you and mm-hmm. the staff are saying that's huge that is huge that's something that nobody else has and that definitely could bode well for you guys in the end.
0: Well, another prospect I wanted to talk about with you, Jason, uh, and that is 2024 five-star guard Isaiah Elohim, who plays alongside Bronny James at Sierra Canyon High School. Uh, Really, really highly regarded recruit, uh, has interest from, you could name just about every big name school here. I know UCLA has been involved, Kentucky, Michigan, Arkansas. I'm sure there are a bunch of other schools involved here. Gonzaga has been reportedly checking in here too. Uh, a kid who's drawn a ton of attention, not just because he plays alongside Bronny, but because of his own game. Can you tell me a little yeah. bit about what his game looks like?
1: Oh, I love, it. I mean, I always tell people, Bronny's the most mm-hmm. famous player at Sierra Canyon, but I say he's the best player at Sierra Canyon. Yeah. Anybody <laughs> will tell you that six, five combo guard, play he I mean we some of a lot of things that I described um mm-hmm. with I'm not even gonna butcher his last name our, our Frenchman yeah because <laughs> I, I know I'm gonna say it wrong um <laughs> it, 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 there's some you know some similarities there six five mm-hmm. combo guard um playmaker extraordinaire a mm-hmm. workhorse ultra competitor played with PGE elite the last couple of years and um his first year on the 16s he led them in scoring he averaged like 28 a game and mm-hmm. uh, he just built from there and yeah, he really approaches the game. Um he's he's like one of those, he's not like a guy who likes a lot of attention, but mm-hmm. he's just a worker. Like he he doesn't like yeah, you text him, he's gonna text you back three days later. Oh, I'm sorry, I was in I was in the gym. I'm really focused on my studies and working. And like he doesn't he's not a guy who wants a bunch of headlines, but you know, uh but he is the guy that is gonna get up at five AM and drink raw yeah. eggs and be Rocky and you know, he's that <laughs> guy. So um but it shows on the court because he, he you can see he works really hard on the court. He moves very well without the ball. He's shifty, um, super athletic. And he um he plays with like a competitive, competitive fire, ultra competitor. Mm-hmm. Um so he's he's big time, obviously worthy of the top five status in that class and um a guy who I think could push for like the top three in that class. Of course all said and done.
0: Of course, of course. Well, Jason, thank you so much. always appreciate your insight. Uh, Really excited about these couple guys that the Zags are interested in and always happy to have you come on and help break them down for us. So appreciate it. Thank you. It's a new year. So we're going to look back at Gonzaga's eight NBA players and we're giving out awards, MVP award, rookie of the year award, other various things. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people to hire for your team faster and for free. It's extremely simple to use. Start by adding your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, segment two, you Patton's still locked on Zags. And I want to thank all of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, folks, we are here in 2023 and it feels like a good time to look back at the NBA season so far and take a look at our eight Zags in the NBA. I have assigned them each an award. Some of them are pretty traditional awards you see at the end of a year. But of course, we have eight Zags in the NBA. So some of them get kind of made up award titles. I will get right into it here. Our MVP Of the eight Zags in the NBA. Not a debate here. He has been the MVP for many, many years amongst the Zags in the NBA. That is Sacramento Kings forward, DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, Sabonis is having an absolutely extraordinary season with Sacramento. And I think it gets a little bit overshadowed right now because of the Tyrese Halliburton trade. Of course, for those who don't remember, uh, Sabonis was traded at last year's NBA trade deadline to Sacramento from Indiana in exchange for guard Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton has been one of the best players in the entire NBA, which has Made a lot of people think that this trade hasn't gone particularly well for Sacramento, which is just not true. Quite honestly, Sabonis has been exactly what Sacramento needed. Uh, he fits a need better than Halliburton did. That's not to say Tyrese Halliburton was bad, uh, but his fit alongside De'Aaron Fox didn't work all that well. Meanwhile, Fox and Sabonis have uh, formed a very formidable tandem uh, in Sacramento. Sabonis is averaging 18.5 points per game, a league-leading 12.5 rebounds per game. He's also averaging 6.6 rebounds per game. So again, 19, 12.5, and close to seven assists per game. Just monster numbers from Sabonis. He's shooting 63% from the field, 43% from deep, which represents a significant career high for Savonas. One of the big knocks on him for his entire NBA career, quite honestly, has been his inability to shoot from beyond the arc. Now he's knocking him down at a 43% clip. It's not a huge Uh, amount of takes he's not shooting a whole bunch of threes but he's far far more efficient with the ball when he is taking them right now and quite honestly he needs to be an all-star he should absolutely be uh, one of the western conference forwards Uh, it's a hard move from the eastern conference to the western conference it is loaded with forwards but Sabonis has been one of the best ones and there is no doubt in my mind that he should make his third all-star game and his first as a member of the western conference All right, moving on, our next award for Gonzaga players in the NBA is our Rookie of the Year Award that, of course, goes to Andrew Nemhart. He would have won this regardless because he's the only rookie playing this year with Chet Holmgren out uh, with an injury for the entire season. But Nemhart has been truly fantastic. One of the better, uh, one of the most surprised rookie performers of the entire season. Uh, Again, 31st pick in the draft, first player picked in the second round, got a guaranteed contract that raised some eyebrows at the time because of, uh, you know, he was unproven. He was a guy who wasn't even expected to be in the second round until kind of right before the draft started. And here he is coming out averaging eight points three and a half or 3.8 assists I should say three rebounds and about a steal per game he has been fantastic from beyond the arc shooting 38 percent again this is a guy who who the knock on him coming to Gonzaga was his inability to shoot from outside and really until his final season he wasn't much of an outside shooter so for him to step up and be an above average three-point shooter as a rookie in the NBA is phenomenal We know about the big week that he had earlier in the season when he hit that game-winning three over LeBron James uh, to send Indiana to a win over the Lakers. He then followed that up with a 30-point near triple-double. It was 31 points, 13 assists, 8 rebounds against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. A monster game from Nembhard. He has been a revelation for the Indiana Pacers. They had a really, really nice draft this year with Ben Matherin as the sixth overall pick and now Nembhard as the 31st pick. Uh, Indiana's going to be a force in the next couple of years if they can continue to draft this successfully. Our sixth man of the year award goes to Washington Wizards forward Rui Hachimura. There was a handful of options here that could have been selected. Uh, some guys we'll talk about a little bit later, but went with Rui here. Rui has not started a game this year, uh, but he has been really fantastic in a bench role for Washington. It's so good to see him playing well after a kind of mysterious year last year where he didn't play for the first chunk of the season because of some mental health issues stemming from uh, the pressure he felt performing in the olympics uh, for japan in his home country of japan he, he came out and played solid in the second half of last year and now he's averaging 13 and a half points five rebounds and 1.2 assists per game he's shooting 58 percent on two pointers thirty uh, five percent from deep and Uh, Advanced analytics numbers point to really being one of, if not the very best mid-range scorer in the entire NBA. He is absolutely automatic from mid-range. We remember that from his time at Gonzaga. Uh, And of course, there's a lot of debate about how impactful the mid-range game truly is. But Rui's ability to space the floor, to hit that mid-range shot uh, has been really, really impactful for Washington and watching him uh, thrive in a bench role and come out and do what he has been able to do has been really fantastic this season. And finally... Uh, ending out this segment with another award here, the most improved player award. This was a tough one. A lot of Gonzaga players haven't dramatically improved their performance from year to year. Uh, so it's kind of hard to figure out who I would put here. I considered Zach Collins. We'll talk about him more uh, with a different award in the third and final segment. Uh, Kelly Linick also having a, a nice season, but I can't really call him most improved because it's not the best season of his career. Uh, in this case, uh, the award goes to Corey Kispert also, on the Washington Wizards, their teammates with Rui Hachimura, um, Corey is having the best season of his career. Of course, it is his second NBA season, and Washington didn't really know what to do with him as a rookie. He was buried on the bench, and then all of a sudden, getting big minutes, and then starting, and then back on the bench. Like they were just all over the place. In part because of injuries, in part because of a coach who seemingly couldn't quite figure out how to put all the pieces together last year. In part because their roster was really thin on guards and, and heavy on forward. So Corey ended up playing out of position most of his freshman, excuse me, his rookie year uh, in Washington. This year, things have settled a little bit more. He's found his groove. He's playing five more minutes per game this year than he played last year, about 23 as a rookie, about 28 minutes per game this year. You would expect that that would be an uptick in his numbers, and you would be correct. He is averaging 9.5 points, 2.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists all career highs. The rebounds are the same as last year. Uh, He's shooting 61.5% on two-pointers and 40.6% from three. Both of those are also career highs. So again, for Corey to have improved his minutes per game significantly, he's taking more shots per game. And not only that, he is knocking them down at a more efficient clip. Uh, That is a recipe for success for Corey Kispert. It has been fantastic to see him kind of thrive and find his way. If I was going to give him a made-up award, the name that I had for it, was the not-just-a-shooter award going to Corey Kispert because he was labeled and typecast immediately as a peer shooting prospect. Uh, There's some probably racial undertones there with a a athletic white guy who tends to get labeled as just an outside shooter. Of course, that is Corey's most prominent skill as an NBA player. I don't want to take that away from him. Uh, He is, he is at his best when he is knocking down catch and shoot threes, which he's very, very good at. But what we've seen from Corey this year is he's expanded his game. He's a very good cutter, One of the best cutters in the league. A lot of Gonzaga players thrive as cutters in the NBA because of the nature of their offense and what they do in Spokane kind of translates well. uh, Whereas a lot of college offenses don't translate as well to the NBA. So uh, seeing him thrive as a cutter, thrive more as a playmaker, again, his assist numbers are up. He's a better passer. He's also a better defender. He's not a great defender yet. He's still got some work to do on that end, but he's athletic. He's got he's big body guy, six seven, very strong, has always been that. And you've seen him start to improve and work hard to to be better on that end of the floor while also contributing more on offense than just being a catch and shoot threat. I think Washington got themselves a good one here, and they're starting to figure out how to utilize him, how to best work him into the offense, uh, and it's 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 paying dividends. He, he's looked like a, a different, better basketball player. His numbers aren't dramatically better from what he put up as a, as a rookie, but they are better in every facet, and that's that's why he gets our most improved player award, even if uh, it doesn't jump off the page the way that many other players who, who actually win this award in real life, uh, their numbers are are way, way different. But in this situation, Corey has clearly improved his game and deserves to be acknowledged as such. We're going to come back in the third and final segment, and we are going to look at four more Zags in the NBA and some awards that we are giving out for some of the Zags' most veteran guys at the next level right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents still... Locked on Zags. Still doing our Zags in the NBA segment here. It's been a while since we've gone through every Zag in the NBA because there's so dang many of them nowadays. Uh, it's difficult to get them all covered unless we give multiple segments, which is what we're doing today. Uh, so we covered four guys in the first segment, our MVP, DeMontis Sabonis; our rookie, Andrew Nembhard, our sixth man, Rui Hachimura, and our most improved player, which is Corey Kispert. Now we're going to move on to some less serious naming awards. Uh, one of them is a legitimate NBA award, and that is the comeback player of the year. And that unsurprisingly is going to go to San Antonio Spurs forward, Zach Collins. Uh, Zach Collins has dealt with just a litany of injuries uh, really since the bubble or even before the bubble season. He played over 65 games as a rookie for the Blazers. He played 77 games in his second season with Portland since then. He has not played more than 28 games in a season. He played 11 games in the bubble year, three at the beginning of the year, got hurt, missed the rest of that season until the bubble, which was almost a year later, calendar-wise, played in a few games there and then missed the rest, got injured in the playoffs, missed the entire next season season, Portland did not renew his contract. He ended up signing with the Spurs, missed the first part of last season, came back, played 28 games with San Antonio last year. Now, this season, he's played 26 games already. He's made six starts for San Antonio, and he is playing really, really well. He is a prototypical backup center, a a backup five in Greg Popovich's offense, and he is thriving in that role. It's not a surprise to me, knowing what San Antonio likes to do, knowing how they, they utilize their bigs. To have a player like Zach Collins who's comfortable putting the ball on the deck, who can facilitate the offense from 18, 20, 25 feet away from the rim, and who can shoot it from beyond the arc. And Collins is really thriving doing all of those things. He's averaging a career-high nine points, career-high 2.4 assists. He's averaging 5.6 rebounds per game. 61% 61% around the rim, or I should say 61% on two-pointers, even higher right around the rim, and he's shooting 35.5% from deep. So we're looking at a guy who can shoot from beyond the arc. He can score around the rim. He's blocking shots effectively. He, he's playing. Uh, the biggest thing for Zach is that he's playing. He's playing consistently. He's playing every night. Uh, he He's dealt with some injury stuff this year, but hasn't missed a ton of time, which is a a huge win for for Collins right now. We hope that he can continue to maintain that success. He's still so young. I believe he's 24, maybe 25 at this point. We're not talking about, you know, he's not 32, 33. It feels like he's been in the league for a long time. Uh, because he came out as a freshman, of course, but uh, he's still really young and he's got the opportunity to to carve out a really nice career. I think he's probably going to settle in as a a good backup center, which is what he is right now. But if he can maintain this, you can have a career for another 10 years doing that. And I I hope that Zach can stay healthy enough to do that because uh, he's a very talented player uh, and injuries have been really the only thing that have kept him from reaching his overall potential uh, as as a professional basketball player. Next up is the Mr. Reliable award. Uh, this is going to Kelly Olynyk. I couldn't figure out exactly what else to give Kelly. He's having a fantastic season with the Utah Jazz. 12 and a half points per game, five boards, 3.2 assists for Kelly and also just over a steal per game. He's also, for a guy in his 11th NBA season, he's got a career-high 42.6% from deep. Not going to, just about 43% of his three-point attempts. And we're not talking about him taking one or two a game. He's averaging three and a half attempts per game. So for him to be up at 43% on three and a half attempts per game just shows you how hard he has worked on his game to be a reliable knockdown shooter from beyond the art and how critical it is to have a seven foot guy who can put the ball on the deck, who can get to the rim, who can score a with his back to the basket if needed, but can also step out and, and you know, cash threes the way that Kelly Olynyk can. And I call him Mr. Reliable because he's really been hyper consistent throughout his career. Uh, First eight or so seasons in the NBA, he basically averaged between nine and 11 points per game, between four and a half and five and a half rebounds per game, and about 20 to 23 minutes per game. He was just ironclad doing that with Boston, with Miami. Those were his numbers. They did not change. They changed a little bit when he went to Houston uh, at the trade deadline and put up monster numbers for a really, really bad rebuilding Rockets team. I think he averaged like 18 and nine and a half uh, at that time. And then he went to Detroit, suffered some injuries, didn't do all that well there. Now he's in Utah. Uh, The original kind of plan, I think, when Utah acquired him was that he would be trade deadline fodder uh, as they are kind of still in the midst of their rebuild. They have been a little better than expected this year, in part because of Olenek, in part because of the performance of Laurie Markkinen. It's unclear. Utah has faded since their hot start. They may still end up being trade deadline sellers if they are. The season that Kelly Olenek is having could very easily lend him Uh, an opportunity to get traded to a contending team for a pretty good haul for the Jazz. They can get themselves a a couple of decent picks or a young player, depending on what they're kind of eyeing on the trade deadline. But uh, we'll see if Kelly ends up getting dealt or not. I think he deserves to be a a starting center or at least a, a high caliber backup center on a potential championship caliber team if that's what he wants and if that's what Utah ends up deciding to do. Couple more awards here. Uh, the change of scenery candidate. Uh, this one goes to Brandon Clark uh, again. Another one where it was kind of he he was a, a strong candidate for sixth man of the year, uh, but I wanted to give that to Rui because Rui's having a slightly better season, and uh, Clark has started a handful of games. He started early in the year when Jaron Jackson Jr. was out with an injury. Since then, his performance, or his playing time has dipped, and um, we've just seen with Memphis, he just he's kind of spinning his wheels. He's put up good good numbers and throughout his career, very consistent. Good numbers, but he hasn't earned more playing time. And even when he's put up really good numbers, like in the playoffs last year, he went on a tear and was Memphis's best or second best player for a whole series against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, And then now we've kind of seen him back. He's averaging 10 points, five and a half rebounds, 1.1 assists. All three of those are career lows for Brandon Clark. Now, barely. Barely career lows. I think that's an important distinction. I think he averaged 10.3 and 10.4 points in the last two seasons. This year, he's averaging 10.1. He could have a good game tomorrow, and he wouldn't be averaging a career low in points anymore. So that's so. Take that stat with a bit of a grain of salt. But at, by and large, we're looking at a player who is clearly good and is clearly improving as a basketball player, and he's not getting the opportunity to showcase that when he does. When he starts, when he play, you know, when they have injuries and he plays well, you see him kind of expand his game you can see more skills that, that he has developed and more talent and more ability to impact the basketball game than he gets to show on a regular basis for Memphis you want really good players in backup roles you want a guy where if you all of a sudden need to unleash him for 32 35 minutes a game he's going to go out and have a monster game that's what good teams do we've talked about this with Gonzaga and like how people want to see more of Efton Reed more of Dominic Harris and it's like yeah they're good players. But you, good teams have good players outside of the rotation. Clark is obviously not outside of the rotation, but he's an NBA caliber starter without a doubt. And he's not getting that opportunity in Memphis. Good for the Grizzlies, not so good for Brandon Clark. I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't think they're particularly interested in moving on from him unless there's stuff going on behind the scenes, which there's no indication there is. He's very close with John Morant, seems to be very close with his teammates. I think it's a it's a nice fit for him in terms of trying to win a championship, but I think there's more to unlock with Brandon Clark as a basketball player, and I don't know that we're going to get a chance to see that while he's with the Memphis Grizzlies. And finally, our last award, the second-half breakout candidate. Uh, this goes to the final zag in the NBA who is playing this year. That is Jalen Suggs. Uh, Jalen Suggs, unfortunately, has not played since mid-November with an injury. He has been so horrifically injury-prone throughout his, his very early part of his career. Only played 48 games as a rookie. Missed the start of this season with an injury. Now has been out for over a month. Uh, the latest report says there's no timetable for his return. So even labeling him a second-half breakout – I don't know. I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't know if he will play. I don't know when he will play. Uh, But what I do know is what we saw from Jalen Suggs before he got injured was pretty darn good. 14 games, 12 and a half points per game, five and a half assists per game and 3.3 rebounds. He was distributing the ball well. He was scoring better. He was grabbing rebounds. He was his his athleticism was on full display. He had a monster third quarter where I think he dropped twenty one points in just the third quarter. Very early in the season, uh, if he gets healthy, he could absolutely be a big breakout guy in the second half. Shooting fifty one and a half percent on two pointers, he's only at twenty nine and a half percent on threes, which is not great. There's no you know beating around the bush there, but it's much better than he shot last year when he was twenty one percent from three. So you're seeing a guy get a little bit more comfortable with the shot, a little bit more comfortable finding opportunities to get good looks really good at scoring around the rim, good at getting to the free throw line. Uh, He's just got to stay healthy. And unfortunately, there's not a strong update on when or if we will see him on the court this year. But if we do, if he comes back, I wouldn't be surprised to see him really turn some heads in the second half of the NBA season. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Don't forget to check out the Locked On Zags podcast. Wherever you get podcasts, also go subscribe on YouTube. If you haven't done so yet, just search Locked On Zags. Hit that big red subscribe button while you are there. You can search and find the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. It is on the feed for Locked On Zags, or you can search and hit that subscribe button as well. It's a five-day per week national show hosted by myself and my co-host Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels. We have some fantastic guests. Talk all about the sport at large. Really fantastic show. Highly recommend checking it out if you can. I want to thank all of you for making Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right. Thank you all for listening, and go Zags.